0: Hi everyone, welcome to Conservative Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah B, and this is the podcast that's fighting back against liberal lunacy, the lies of feminism, and the destruction of the progressive left by refocusing us on those F-bombs that truly matter: faith, family, friendship, and now more than ever, freedom. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you should know how by now unless you're new. So if you're new, I'm going to throw you a bone. You can catch me over at Instagram at LadyDevilDogUSMC or my backup account because it turns out you need a backup account these days. Um, My backup account really should be my primary and for anyone's guess, it isn't. But um, it is Conservative Mama Podcast. You can also email me at ConservativeMamaPodcast at gmail.com. Oh my goodness. Can you guys believe it? it is Monday, May 10th? Can you believe it? I feel like we're just zipping right along here in May and I don't want to zip along because I don't want to rush through the warm weather, even though today was, it was kind of warm. wasn't great. I mean, it was all right, but it wasn't cold. So I'll take it. But anyway, I don't want to zip along because I don't want to fly through the warm months and then spiral right back into the cold months. Um, If you live down south, then your warm month started like a month ago, maybe even earlier than that. I don't know, but it easily started a month ago. Um, Ours, we're just kind of getting there, okay? So cut us some slack. Hopefully all the mamas out there had a wonderful Mother's Day. I really, really, really hope that for you. Um I canceled Mother's Day this year because the last couple of years it was a total dumpster fire. Um you know, family was fighting and, and just there was always something, right? So honestly I thought I would just rip all my hair out. But I made the threat this year, Mother's Day is canceled, um, and they were on their best behavior. So sometimes maybe you just need to threaten that you'll cancel the holiday. I don't know. Anyway, it wasn't a bad day at all. Uh I went to lunch with some girlfriends of mine and then I came home and we just kinda hung out and, you know, just wandered about the city a little bit and didn't really do much of anything. Um sounds pretty boring. Um but I'll tell you what, after the last couple of years I'll take boring because, you know, fighting and whatnot was a little more eventful than I than I wanted to have happen. So anyway, hopefully your Mother's Day left you feeling cherished and loved and you came away feeling um, very good about yourselves. So congratulations, Mama. It is a tough job and um, you earned it. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Okay, so um, you know what? I think we have, there's a couple of things I want to talk about tonight. Um, One is I actually had this question brought up to me by a listener. Um I'll call him Joey. So shout out to Joey. I won't put all your info out there because um just in case you don't you don't want people contacting you, I don't know. But anywho, he asked me a question and I've been kind of pondering on it all day today, um, or at least all afternoon, and it was how to talk to your young adults about politics, about what's going on, Um, you know, and and his children are all in their 20s. So um, it's kind of a ripe age. I know I have some listeners um, that fall into that 20s, uh, early 30s category. Um, And I really think that, you know, it, it can go a couple of ways, to be honest with you. So how do you talk to them and I can tell you for from my personal experience of being that age, because <laughs> this is what all 20-somethings want to hear. When I was your age, right? Anything that started off like that, we were all automatically like, over it, not listening, right? But the truth is, when I was in my 20s, um, I did not care a lick about politics. I didn't care at all, not even a little bit. Didn't care what was going on. I was interested in just having fun, um, you know, probably making poor life decisions, um, that sort of thing. Just the kind of typical 20-something. You want to land a job that pays well so that you can play well, right? That was sort of what consumed my mind back then. So it isn't a surprise to me when I hear that the 20-somethings are not really that involved. They're not really that interested in politics. I get it. Their minds are, are somewhere else. But For those of us who are older than that now, you've got to remember, you know, Winston Churchill said, if you're not liberal when you're young, you don't have a heart. And if you're not conservative when you're older, you don't have a brain. So cut them some slack. Um, They're really young people are really driven by their heart. They're really driven by that compassion. I think, and we forget, we pick on liberals a lot on this show and a lot of other shows, but true liberalism was the group of people, was this idea that um, they'll fight for free speech. They'll fight against corporations being considered people and Shunning the people who work for the com- the corporations, all of a sudden the people don't have a voice. They were the ones who who led the charge in that. What's happened since that, and I've said it in the, in the past, is this leftist takeover. And the leftism is where you get the defund police. That's where you get the the total push towards socialism, you really start to see, you know, the the cancel culture, this complete censorship. That's leftism, all right? We really shouldn't confuse it with liberals. Um, But really, also, it wouldn't be fair to say that there's a whole bunch of liberals left. Most people don't realize what liberalism was. And so they're just leftists, but we also have to remember too that 20 something early 30 something demographic is a really unique group of adults and I mean that to say that they're really in that mindset of I can do and accomplish whatever I want and I don't have to fit the box that was created before me. Gen Xers I think a lot of the time we ended up Following in our parents' footsteps, which they followed in their parents' footsteps. I don't think Gen X really broke the mold too much as far as um thinking outside the box. Well, I don't have to go to college. I could do. Uh, I could be an entrepreneur. Um, I don't think we really broke that mold very much. But again, we saw the birth of the internet. And so we didn't really know what to do with that, um, whereas the the millennials, they knew what to do with it. They always had it around, and so they have a lot of times manipulated that for their own um, good in a lot of ways, right? So all that to say, um, don't count the young people out especially when you want to talk to them about politics, especially when you want to talk to them about what's going on in the world. They don't come at the world with life experience that a lot of us have. So for them, it's a big foreign concept. Um, it's like you know, trying to conceptualize Pearl Harbor when most of us, if not pretty much all of my listenership, never saw it happen. Um, but we had the Twin Towers. Well, guess what? A lot of the millennials you know, the the later millennials, they didn't have that. They just heard about it. <laughs> they weren't there. Um, or if they were, they were very, very young. So it didn't affect them like it affected the rest of us. So we got to remember that they don't have that kind of life experience, but we can't count them out because the life experience that they do have is also unique. They are also living through this tumultuous time in a very different way. They're going to school in masks. They're going to college in masks. They're going, um, you know, they've, they've seen the upheaval since, truly since Obama with the, um, race relations all of a sudden. They, they are living through all of this. And so it's not hard for me to believe that, um, You know, when they look around, they see a very different America than we see as Gen Xers or boomers, even see, right? Um, So don't count them out because of that. And don't think, you know, you can't have a political conversation with them. We also have to remember, too, that by the time the millennials got into school, Um, A lot of our public school systems were full-blown, essentially, indoctrination camps, as well as a lot of our universities. So these young 20-somethings, they are in these universities, a lot of them, and it is full-blown socialist, communist, leftism, America was never great. We should always be ashamed. It's been nothing but a slavery country. It's nothing but racist. We've never gotten over the sins of our past, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the garbage that they have been fed from the indoctrination machine. So, this is what you're up against when you want to have a conversation with these young people. So, here's my advice let them speak. Ask them their opinions about what's going on. Um, Don't let them run circles. Stay on task, you know, but ask them what they think. Because, again, these young people, everybody thinks that they can lie to children, right? And I'm not calling, you know, the 20-somethings children. I'm not. But, you know, when you're looking at your own children, like my 10-year-old daughter or my nearly one-year-old son, right, I can say things to them That I couldn't say necessarily to a 20 something. um, And we expect it will fly with younger kids. And when they're really young, of course it will fly. But as they get older, 10, 12, and so on, um, it doesn't really fly. And kids are extremely perceptive, believe it or not. They're very perceptive. So when you ask your 20 something, they're Thoughts on what's going on, whether you're asking them about something political or just something, you know, current event in the air today. Be prepared to hear all kinds of things because they're perceptive. It might not jive with what you know to be truth because they've been fed a lot of crap like, you know, um, my truth. Look, there's the truth and then there's opinion. So, you know, you're going to have to... Just sit there through some of that, but listen to what they're saying. It's, it's a mark of a good conversation for one, but for two, you'll really get an idea of where they're coming across. So if you want to talk politics, for instance, um, and there's a p- particular uh, topic I know it doesn't have to be a hot button topic, right? Like we know what some hot button topics are, abortion and climate change or like two hot button topics. Okay. So you don't have to leap right into that, but, you know, if you want to talk to them about politics and, you know, you want to kind of feel the water out, see where they stand, listen to what they're going to say, and then, you know, ask them questions, have them explain it to you. It will really help both of you to kind of meet in the middle. And it's, I'm not saying this because I want you to be condescending in any way to, the, to these young people at all. The goal isn't to be condescending and act like a know-it-all. The goal is to get them to think right because a lot of times what's happening in high schools especially and what's happening in colleges a lot is that critical thinking is not being taught. Oh, we can talk about critical race theory, but we can't teach people how to think critically. So when you're talking to them and they're explaining their thoughts on something and maybe it gets a little passionate, right? Maybe maybe there's they start throwing out um, things that they've heard in in classrooms or on the news or whatever these kind of um you know defund police these hot uh right i mean hot as uh happening right now discussions right i don't mean hot button but these of the moment discussions right current events ask poignant questions as to why they feel like this or why you know why do you think um defunding the police, for instance, is a good idea. And then ask them, you know, and keep encouraging more out of them, almost as if that you're encouraging them to write an essay, but with words, say it, you know. And kind of, that's when you can poke holes in their rhetoric. And I, again, I'm not saying this to be condescending, but um, if you poke holes in their theory and you can the idea is to get them to understand where the separation is between what they've been told and what is actually occurring or what is real right um when you start to have this back and forth conversation you listen to them and then when it's your turn to speak they listen to you um and you treat each other with that respect maintain your your tone um, maintain respect, um, ask them to explain why they feel that way or why they think this way. Um, and then you can say, well, did you know? And then give them the facts. Because once you've presented this, these things to them, you're asking them to think critically about what they thought they knew versus this new information. Now they have to process this new information. And as you go through this discussion with them, um, Eventually, what comes out of it is, um, you know, truth and fallacy. And they have to decide, okay, do I want to believe the truth or continue with the fallacy? But either way, they'll know. They'll know. And I say all this. um, I had a discussion with my aunt a few years ago. And God love her. She is absolutely the epitome of drum beating, hippie liberal, um, everything should be free. College should be free, et cetera, et cetera. So I talked to her about that one time and I said, well, you say these things and you work at a college. And she's like, yes. And I said, okay, well, why do you feel the colleges should be free? Well, because they're very expensive. Tuition is very expensive. You're right. I mean, on point a hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Yes, they're, it's very expensive. Um, but if colleges, are, if college is free, um, then that means everybody has to pay more in taxes in order for it to be free. Well, she didn't like that. I said, well, then are you going to stop taking a salary? She didn't like that. And I said, well, wh- who's going to pay the light bill or the real estate tax on the building? Who's going to pay the water bill and, and the rubbish and, and all of that? Who's going to pay those bills if everything is free? Are those things free as well? Because usually bills continue to occur, to um, accru- accrue, right? Not occur, but they do occur, but to accrue, right? So there's really, so I brought her, you know, I talked to her and I said, you know, really, there's no such thing as free. Either you're going to pay an outrageous sum in taxes in which your own quality of life is going to decrease exponentially as it grow as the cost of college increases ergo your taxes will increase your your choice of lifestyle is going to decrease because you can't afford both um you know so the fallacy of the argument is that you know things are free there's no such thing as free the other conversation i had with her was gun control she thought everybody should have to register guns i said absolutely not Um, And she goes, well, you know, I said, no, you don't, you don't want the government knowing how many weapons you own, because then you don't stand a chance if they come to collect them. She says, well, nobody should have a fully automatic weapon. I said, well, no, you know, you're not, very few people do because they've been against the law for many, many years, many decades, as a matter of fact. Um, Again, it's an infringement upon your second amendment right. But they are illegal. She goes, Well, nobody should have these high capacity magazines, um, and uh, you know, semi-automatic. And I said, Do you understand what the word semi-automatic means? And so she didn't know that. She didn't know that one trigger pull meant one bullet fired. She didn't know that. She she's not a gun enthusiast. She's she's you know, she has had them in the house because her son's hunted, but you know, it wasn't really her thing. So she didn't really know, but these are the talking points that she had heard and she's parroting them back. So we had a very civil conversation. And I said, no, that would outlaw almost every weapon outside of a, a standard revolver. So pistols, rifles, the big scary AR, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, the high capacity magazines, I said, well, you know, what if, you know, somebody breaks into your house and, and they've got a group of people, maybe some of those people are high on drugs. And we've seen in the past um, how difficult people who are on some kind of substance can be to take down. Maybe it's just me in the house with my children and I've got three big dudes coming into the house. Two of three are out of their minds on some kind of who knows what. I need all the rounds I can, I can get to send down range so that I can protect my family and move us to a safe location. And she understood. So we came away she didn't like guns more. But she came away with an understanding and she changed her stance on um that opinion, right? And that was great. So ultimately that's that's your goal in talking to young people in talking to, you know, liberals the goal is not to get into a fight with them if you can avoid it, right? Like, you don't want to get into a screaming match with your kids. Nothing is ever going to come from that. You're not going to love that. And they're not going to love it, and you're never going to have a great conversation that follows. Like, it's going to be headbutting. You have to understand that you may not win the battle per se, but you're hoping long-term you win the war, all right? that Because what's happening today is somewhere in in people's i think honestly in your moral compass you have to understand that what you see going on around you in the government in the world um you know in the shutdown of churches in the you know totalitarian state takeover in canada for instance something in your moral compass should say this is deeply wrong people know that something is very, very, very amiss. And so I think you can reach them on that level. You may not be able to persuade them to change their minds. It takes a lot of uh, humility and it takes a lot of self awareness to admit that you're wrong and to, and we're all guilty of not wanting to do that. It's very uncomfortable. But to change your mind on something that you thought. You know, a belief, and a lot of times, a belief that you held very near and dear. um, And you find out, wow, that I was way wrong. Um, It takes a lot. And some young people have it very early on, and a lot don't. So, you know, don't get discouraged. But as long as you keep the conversation civil, as long as you keep the conversation in a place of love, um, I think you'll really make headway you know, and depending on the maturity of the person that you're speaking to, you might be able to have a long conversation or you might have to keep it short because they're, they're just not going to allow for you to have that much time. It's just how people are. Some people are very bullet point friendly and other people are war and peace. So, you know, and there's a plethora of people in the middle, right? So, you know, it's just, it just is how it is. But I have found that, um, you know when talking with people if you try to get them to open up and explain their end you know you want to have a debate let's have a debate i'm i'm okay with with that um but let's be respectful and uh you know if you've got a bunch of fallacies and talking points that aren't true i i'm going to poke holes in that when it comes to social media um i can be a lot less Kind And it's not because I'm face-to-face with someone versus on the computer. Um, It's usually in the approach of how it starts, you know, when they come at you, right? Like usually when people are face-to-face, they don't just come at you like they do on the computer, right? When they got a screen to hide behind. So on social media... um, If I'm arguing with someone, I'm never arguing to change that person's opinion. I'm always arguing for the person on the fence. Um, So young people, this is for you. If you're in a college classroom and you are listening to this podcast, you're already not of that foolish mindset of, you know, colleges should be free and, you know, all this liberal uh, crap, right? Sounds really good. Looks great on paper, in actuality, it is the worst. So don't be afraid to stand your ground. I've done it. When I was in college, I absolutely did it. In fact, when I was in college, um, I stood my ground while um, the class got mad at me because I refused to agree that Obama's bank bailout was a good idea. And they're like, don't you hate, you hate small businesses. I say, I don't hate small businesses, but you are high as a kite if you think that any of this money is going to trickle down to those small businesses. That's absolutely not what is going to happen. The corruption is far too deep. The small businesses are going to get the shaft. And lo and behold, when it happened, I got to go back to the classroom and I was like, you don't say. Um, But I held my own. I held my own against the entire class. So don't be afraid. Um, It is often an unpopular opinion, but, you know, you're not arguing to change the mind of the rabid feminist who's screaming at you and, you know, cursing you and the whole nine, acting like she's fully possessed. You're not trying to change her mind. You're trying to change the minds of those kids sitting around you who are probably on the fence, not really sure, um, you know, what to think because they've never really had to think about it before. And, now that they're faced with with college and making their own decisions and voting and all this this new found adulthood responsibilities, um, those are the ones that you are trying to persuade with your rhetoric. You want them to understand that, again, liberal ideas sound very compassionate, but they end up almost 100% of the time doing more harm to the communities they profess to be helping or trying to help. They absolutely do more harm than help. Um, and so, you know, if you, you can save some of your classmates from that, that's a great thing. So that's really what I encourage. If you're going to try to talk to young people, if you're going to try to talk to liberals, even if you're going to try to talk to coworkers, um, always be respectful or neighbors, always be respectful, um, and try to see where they're coming from. And if they come at you and they're, they're vicious and they're mean and whatever, um, you know, you can disengage and you can, you know, and that will make them just extra mad, but just disengage and be like, see, this is why no one can speak with you. Um, just kind of how it is, you know, but we have to do our part to educate those younger folks behind us, and I'm speaking, you know, to Gen X and to the boomers, we really have to do our part to explain to them the world that they're really stepping into, because we are looking down the barrel of communist China. We are not, but a few strokes away from total surveillance, from, you know, vaccination passports in every state, but Florida, apparently, um, you know, where, I mean, that's 1938, 1941, Austria and Germany with the national ID card. And it didn't turn out so well for everybody. So like, I'm not exaggerating and it's not hyperbolic to say that's how close we are right now. And I think most people can sense this when they look around at the current events going on Beyond our borders, look at Canada, look at the u k, look at Australia. So we have to do our part because we can't blame the younger generations for not knowing when we knew and we sat idly by and did nothing. We can't blame them because they're the ones who are going to have to try to figure out how to pick up the mess, and we're we're ruining their lives too. You can't say, "Oh, you know, uh, welcome to the world, um, you're supposed to get a job." When we're tanking the economy because we refuse to stand up to our governors, when we refuse to stand up to our mayors, when we refuse to stand up to the school board, how can you blame the young 20-somethings when we're not doing it ourselves? No, we are well past that point. So we've got to find a way to work with them, to educate them, and tell them some things that they have maybe never heard before. If they did not grow up in a deeply conservative family or, you know, religious where they're going to church all the time, um, you know, maybe they come from broken homes, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, if we don't reach out to them and if we don't talk with them and we don't show them the truth, they can't help but march lockstep towards Communism because they don't know any better. They've been fed their whole lives about how great it is. They haven't been fed the truth. They don't know the horrors. So you can't you can't put all the blame on their shoulders. There's a lot of blame resting squarely with us. So that's what I recommend. Keep it respectful. Listen. That's really the most important piece of it. You've got to listen and hear what they're saying. See where their point of views are and correct the fallacies in their argument where you find them. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, real quick. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but um, Michael Matt is a wonderful uh, Catholic, he runs uh, the Remnant uh, newspaper out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. He, his father was the, uh, he ran it, he was the editor and now his son, uh, Michael Matt is the editor. Um, he, you know, he's a traditional Catholic, goes to traditional mass, uh, every single week. Um, anyway, this week he talks about, um, the hope, right? I think we focus an awful lot on the negative and, um, all of the current events that just seem to be like one awful thing after another. I mean, it just hits from every side. You know, it's Hollywood, it's mainstream media, it's government, it's politics, it's, you know, races and, and BLM and and all of this foolishness, right? It's just one thing after another. But he did a great, um, I think it's a 30-minute video. He, I think it's always around 30 minutes. Um he does them at least once a week. Uh you have to you can find him on YouTube. You really can. Believe it or not, you can. Um you can find him on YouTube. You can type in Michael Matt or you can type in The Remnant TV and uh it should take you there. But he talks about how um the pushback that you're seeing. So here in the United States, you're seeing a lot of pushback. You are seeing, you know, Governor Ron DeSantis stand up and say, you know, We're done. There's going to be no more emergency orders, no more emergency anything for COVID. Um, Absolutely not. Everything returns to normal. Suck it up, buttercup. We're done. You're seeing this in Texas. You're seeing this in Tennessee. You're seeing this in uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis is getting rid of uh, COVID. Hooray. Um, You're seeing this pop up all over the nation. It started, I think, a lot with Florida, and Florida lit the fire, and now it's starting to take off. And I say this because, um, to kind of parrot what Michael Matt was talking about, the power of Christianity is such that no matter how much they try to shut us down, no matter how much the devil tries to, uh, you know, board up our churches uh shut down the worship of of Jesus Christ he failed every single time like michael matt said it doesn't matter if he you know he was nero or hitler or stalin or lenin or mao or you know um justin trudeau in in canada um kind of funny to say his name when i've said all those others because they were so definitely terrible but here we are Um, all of these people have, have attempted, all of this demonic oppression has tried to shut down Christianity, but Christianity never, ever, ever fails, never fails. It may be tiny and small, but it has conquered pagan Rome. It has conquered pagan lands. It has never been stopped and it won't be. And you're seeing this fight take off. You're seeing this pushback against the globalist agenda, this, this great reset that Klaus Schwab and George Soros and all these fools want to enact. You're seeing this pushback. And here in America, you're seeing it from the states and you're, you're, you're seeing it push back against the children of darkness in Washington, D.C. They are really cocky. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, et cetera. They're real cocky with this. You know, they think that they have just won the day and, you know, everything is peachy keen um, and they're going to get whatever their little hearts desire. But the states are pushing back because people are pushing back. People are saying enough is enough. Christians are not sitting down And taking it anymore. You know, the traditional Latin churches didn't shut down. That was news to me because we didn't go all the time um, a year ago. Uh, We'd kind of go off and on. I was trying to get my husband, you know, to kind of be interested in this. So we had to baby step it. Um, But uh, yeah, now we go all the time. The traditional Latin masses never shut those doors. They never shut down. Not one. That I'm aware of, not one shut their doors. While the Nova Sordo, a lot of them still remained at half capacity or, or closed up in some areas. But um, I can tell you every Sunday, every Sunday, last Sunday, full house, full house. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody is wearing, nobody's social distancing, full house everybody's there. And it's not like, oh, it's all 90 year old. It's not. It's not. It is absolutely, I would say 85 or better percent young families, big young families. So I want you guys to walk away with that hope. And it's not just here in America. Poland is based Poland is based. Of all the European countries that seem to have forgotten their history with World War One and Two, Poland has not forgotten, and uh, they've got their faith in Jesus Christ, and they absolutely know how it's done. They're not giving in, but Poland isn't alone. So, for my foreign listeners, God bless you. Keep praying. Keep praying. Um, Catholics, we need to keep saying our rosaries. Um, Christians wouldn't kill you to pick it up. That's the sword of God right there. Absolutely. Look it up. Look into it. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ. There's a great um, story out there about a priest. um, And he was in a, um, I know I'm running a little bit long, but I have to share this with you. It's not so much for my Catholic friends, but for my Christian friends, right? There's a great um, story and a I'm missing the detail of where the priest was at. Um, I know he was in a dire situation, absolute dire situation. Um, it's, it, I believe it was in a European country, but um, don't quote me. Absolutely dire situation, and he was praying to Jesus, and um, he had a vision, and Jesus is standing there because he was praying for a weapon. How do we fight these people? How do we fight these people? Um, and Jesus appeared and handed him a sword, and the priest says, I reached over, I could touch the metal of the sword, and as soon as I I touched the sword, the sword turned into a rosary. That's the power. That's the power of the rosary. It is the sword of God. Our Lady asks us to pray the rosary. Catholics, we are required where she implores us to pray the rosary. Um, I admit I fell off the wagon a little bit, so now I got to get back into it. Um, I was doing a daily rosary. Um, and then, uh, I fell off the wagon, like I said, a little bit, so I got to get back into it. So this is just as much for me. We can make a world of change through the power of Jesus Christ and we're watching countries, and we're watching people, and we're watching our great United States push back against the globalist agenda. We are not going down into that dark night without swinging. Christians, we have never, ever been put down. We might get real small, might be very few of us, but we've never been put down. And these idiots, they're no match for God. You know that and I know that. Okay, I know I went over, but um, I really hope that this finds you in a really good place. Um, Don't forget to pray, 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 pray. That is our weapon, Um, and that's what turns the tide of evil. Absolutely what turns the tide of evil. Okay, that's it. (laughs) Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Monday. Have a wonderful Tuesday, and I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Stay deplorable patriots. Love, and God bless. We'll yeah. be yeah.